Good morning from uh, Anna Maria's apartment in Brooklyn. And uh, to uh, the topic or title of the Dharma talk this morning is "Looking is not seeing," and the idea there with that title is to point us in the direction of what those words seem to be uh, referring to. So let's start with the looking. And I'll define that as I see it. And the, the looking part is just uh, glancing around and looking at things uh, coming and going that are quite often based on our agenda for the present moment, uh, where we're going, what we're doing, what we're trying to get done, what we're going to accomplish, and also all of the various things that are coming out of the apparent past as memories and coming from the apparent future as imaginations, hopes, fears for that matter, those are uh, making a great deal of salad right in the midst of our perception, our seeing is being uh, blended with lots of things uh, in a, an artificial way. There's nothing wrong with blending or coming together or mixing. It's when it is done out of hope and fear, when the motivation to, uh, motivation behind the apprehension of physical, mental, or rather mental, um, visual, auditory, olfactory, and so on. The whole sensorium that is receiving. So the idea here with uh, looking, it's just uh, uh, the whole area of, as I said, hopes and fears, the whole area of you know, preconceptions and judgments that are not really examined, not really looked at, are just assumed as part of the whole bargain or whole, the whole uh, uh, deal. Whereas seeing is just this. It's just whatever is arising in consciousness in any of the sense fields, including the mind, is just that. It does not lead to something else. If you think it does, if you think it leads to someone else and you encourage that, you fuel that, through grasping, rejecting, and shutting down the three poisons, then you will continue to feel ultimately upset, neutral, or happy around and around. Sometimes the happiness can get pretty intense. Sometimes the suffering can get, or pain can get quite intense. And we're not really aiming for some kind of... Uh, created neutrality or we're not trying to smear everything with uh, some kind of artificial or intended equanimity. As I sometimes say, you don't have to create equanimity. You don't have to try to be balanced. Trying to be balanced is uh, spiritual materialism, as was discussed by my teacher Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. Spiritual materialism, trying to get somewhere using spiritual techniques Meditations, mantras, mudras, various sorts of um, deity yoga, or even the sitting practice of meditation, shine, elaktam, shamatha vipassana, mindfulness, awareness. That being said, it isn't so much that we can stop being casual or being um, cloudy in our looking. And when I'm saying that, I have to give you a, an experience of what I mean is say you're in a car, you're waiting for the stop uh, light to, the signal light to turn from red to green, and you see it, 
or rather you look at it, and then you go into some discursive uh, roundabout in your mind as you're waiting. And then the light changes, and which is a signal for you to go into another kind of roundabout, which is also in your mind, and may include to some extent, uh, you may even say to yourself, well, I'm in the present, I can see the green grass, I can see the trees, I'm enjoying the trees, I'm enjoying the weather, I'm, I'm in the present. Uh, I have a name for that. You want it? Here it comes. Self-deception. If you think you're in the present moment, if you think you're just here now, I'm just here now. I'm just going to be here now. This is self-deception. If you are in the present moment, if you are functioning without a particular agenda to get something else, you won't really know it. You won't have a credential. It's an awakened truth or the, the truth as it is without any proof, without any credentials. It's not that credentials or proof or relativity don't help us. Of course they do. We, we know we have to go, go to the store because we're out of coffee. That isn't exactly one thing leads to another. It's the mind that strings those together and then makes a whole matrix, a whole, uh, sometimes called Indra's net. It's just a whole and incredible um, combination, concoction of relative truth that makes it look like you're, you should be doing something. Our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, because they feel like they should be doing something and they're unhappy and they don't know what to do. So they set up what? What do we call them? Goals? Why do I go ah, and sigh? It's because it took me half a century to understand the nature of goals. Goals are deceptive. It's not that you don't have some kind of something out that you're going towards. You're going to the store to get some coffee. Enough said. It's when the goal or the standard or the idea or the, the, the concept or the structure of something else that we're trying to get to causes more confusion. Uh, Trump Rinpoche has a book called Journey Without Goal. I think it's sitting over there in Anna Maria's bookcase somewhere. I sometimes say, you, if you have a, it's a good book, all you have to do is read the title. That's a pretty good title. It's like Pema's book, Start Where You Are, or The Wisdom of Insecurity, which was, I think, Pema's book, but I think she was she stole that from Alan Watts, probably, because he had a book by that title. doesn't matter. Even the, the title of my book, In Meditation Primer, uh, just read the title. In other words, meditate. So if you were going to if you were going to see what you were looking at, you would not know it. That's that's not very helpful in the sense of, well, how, how would I know? How would I because the mind is always looking for tit for tat kind of thing, cause and effect. We buy into cause and effect or relative truth, which is a pack of lies. It doesn't doesn't mean that it doesn't have some uh, veracity to it that it doesn't have some gravitas, that there isn't some kind of weight there. There is, and you should be going beyond just looking at that, but actually seeing what that is. When I say should, I don't know, maybe if you're listening to me, maybe that would be helpful to you. But also I'm happy to respect your karma, the causes and conditions that are arising as your idea about yourself, your agenda, your agenda, you're thinking this, thinking else. Maybe you're disagreeing. 
I would say if you if you disagree with I'm with what I'm saying, if you feel that you're probably not ready to hear this. If if every time you hear anyone say anything, you immediately agree or disagree or ignore. Those are the three poisons. This is the way most people, probably every person you meet is doing that on some level. I'm even doing it. And what's different about that? Find out. I mean, I could tell you, but it's, what's going to be really important is if you see it, you see it. If you see it, you won't need to check with me. You won't need to ask anyone. You won't need any credential. You won't need any proof. Only relative things need proof because they jump from one thing to the other. This is happening because that's happening. That happens because that happens. If it were very simple, we could control ourselves, control our lives, but it's not. It's extremely complicated. Question? Uh, yes, from Junshu over in Brooklyn. She asks, if we just see the traffic light, will we still stop at red and go at green? Who cares? <laughs> Yes, you will. You'll function just fine. You may function even uh, more precisely and presently because you're not, your mind is not clouded with other things. You're just there. there. There isn't anything but a traffic light. There isn't anything but red. You don't even know if green is coming. You don't care if it ever does. Patience is when you care that it does and you have to wait for it. That's the conventional patience. The actual patience, patience is there isn't anything else but this. That's why those who are seem to be very, very patient with everything. Uh, that's why they seem to be very, very patient with everything, because there isn't anything else with this. They're not waiting for something else. Tomorrow night I'm going to talk about art beyond ego, and we'll also talk about something else. This is a problem for creative people. They're looking for something else. They're looking for that. Yes. A uh, question from uh, Shoto over in Brooklyn. He asks, can we work with an intention without a goal mentality? Yes. You want to help him out? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have another question. Okay. So we have the Bodhisattva vow um, yes. to save all beings. Is that an intention with a goal? It's an intention. It's an intention that transcends the, this world. Ask more. So... How is that different from other goals? Um, it's impossible to accomplish. There's lots of ways, but that's one way. So in the more secular and mundane understanding of goal, are those um, reachable, yes. accomplishable? Can you accomplish your goals? Oh, sure. It's just that they're, they're deceptive because you go from this to that, and you, you go from one thing to the, the other, and you fail or you succeed, or you kind of halfway fail, halfway succeed. And, and this is called samsara. It doesn't make that sound. But it's like looking for something else. Passion, aggression, ignorance. Craving. Craving. One, the second noble truth of the Buddha. Life is stressful, suffering, difficult, abrasive, disappointing, d d not satisfying. We're always, even, even our body hungers for something. and just literally, literally hungers for food. So we give it some food. But we tend to, instead of relating to that very in a very ordinary way, we tend to shove it way up into some kind of high level of thinking. Instead of, as in the Zen tradition, chop wood, carry water. Before awakening, chop wood, carry water. After awakening, chop wood, carry water. Nothing special. Ordinary mind. Kapo Geshepa, the Tibetan words for that idea. Ordinary, ordinary mind. <laughs> 
question. Um, you you talked about the something over there, something over there, and um, through art or even through practice, there does seem to be like the question you 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 say, what is it? What is it? What is is the lack of movement or the appearance of movement the difference between something over there and what is this? What is this? Like how does movement or the appearance of movement play into that? Movement, uh, not not to be not trying to be exotic or bizarre or even contradictory or even zenny, but movement and and uh, stillness are the same. They just look different, and they get their meaning from each other. You can't have one without the other. More. Does but anything move? Relatively, things move. Sure, we know that. But ultimately, nothing happens. So we use the idea of stillness. It's the idea of void, emptiness, shunyata. Let's give it a complicated name. Instead of, there isn't anything. There are things, but there isn't anything. There are things. We have all kinds of things. You have things. We have things. I have things. I really like things. So you don't have to give up anything. You don't necessarily have to have a strategy. Even though uh, I say you don't have to be ordained or be a Buddhist, to some extent all that kind of gets in the way. But we need to have something to kind of kickstart or jumpstart the whole thing. So we start with the forms and everything, but at some point you could just be present, which is, is impossible to accomplish because it's already the case. So we just cloud it up and cloud it up. And so this is why the sitting practice of meditation, as far as techniques go, seems to be a pretty pretty good way because you're actually kind of uh, imitating it. Or you're, you're aligning yourself with not much. You're just holding still and you're, you resume your original sense of proportion. You, you just resume your original sense or your feeling or your insight into just this, just this. And of course it's going to be, initially it's going to be clouded with tons of hopes and fears and ideas and Things you've been covering up are going to start coming up, coming on stage because you've just opened up the thing for it's like a, every time you sit down and face the wall, it's like open mic night for your ego. <laughs> um, can can the sense perceptions um, be used? Can, can they be a vehicle to seeing what you're looking at? So that's uh, yes, and so that's one of the. Uh, alternate sense awareness practice ASAP. Uh, that's something I use to so that you're working with something. There's all these several six sense fields coming into taking shape all the time, taking form, taking uh, their own vibration. And if you move your awareness, which is possible to move the awareness around a little bit, move it from one to the other, uh, it seems to to help in relationship to the thinking process. So if you have the thinking processes going on and you're also say flashing on the sense of touch and the sense of uh, say sight or color shape and doing that at the same time the thinking process is operating seems to be a more uh, a little bit more uh, I don't know if you can have uh, partial equanimity or something probably not but it, there, there seems to be more of a, of a, um, a connection with uh, with just this rather than something else something else something else so we're it's not that we're happy, delighted, and just satisfied with just being, being just being here. That's more of a, an ego propaganda. Just be here. Just be 
just be present. We often hear people say, who are doing this through their their mentation, through a mental process. Oh, I just I just don't worry about anything. I'm just I just stay in the present moment, and I don't. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just I'm fine. You know, people are, have a kind of a a little club they formed that they've joined, which is I'm just got to be me. You know, I'm just I'm just here, and there's just things going on about that. But fundamentally, all it takes is one emotional tsunami coming out of uh, the. the traditional left field to completely blow you out of the water and cause you to be in some kind of a crisis mode about who you are, some kind of existential angst is arising about, oh my God, what did I do? I don't know where this came from. What is this about? I don't know what to do. Where does this come from? What is this about? And all of those things are all cover-ups for what? This. They're cover-ups. And so the sitting practice of meditation will help you relieve yourself it'll help you can send all the little guards at the doors of reality home all the ones that are saying don't go in there here stay out here let's make lunch you don't have to go in there yes when when you are in that uh, place of fixation or attachment to something um is the practice of alternating is that helpful specifically when i when you get into those i think it is i think it but but i think you have to practice it when uh, like i sometimes say don't you don't want to try to learn how to ski during a snowstorm. You want to wait till the weather's pretty good, the, the pack is just right, and you, the sun is out maybe, and it's not too cold, not too warm, and you learn to ski. So the idea with meditation, to use that metaphor, learn to to see, train the mind, learn to see what is true when not much is happening. So instead of waiting till you're in crisis mode to go try to meditate it away, which is ridiculous to do that. I mean, it's, it really is. It's ridiculous to do it. The, the time to do that would be the time to go have some ice cream. <laughs> you know, relax. Have, you know, give yourself a break. You're going through a difficult time. Don't try to go in and befriend uh, someone who's uh, crazy and, and you know and threatening you. So rather than you know baby that consciousness, you know, be oh, oh just you know pacify that in some way. And then when things clear up, then through your understanding of the necessity that, you know, everything that comes without warning, this body will be a corpse at that time. The Dharma will be my only help and must practice it with exertion. It doesn't mean the Buddha's Dharma necessarily. It means the truth. I must practice the truth. What is the truth? Sit down, hold still, and see it. Sit down and hold still and see, and look at it for a while until, until it, there's some kind of a, it's not even a breakthrough. If it were a breakthrough, that, that's a relative Metaphor. It's not exactly a breakthrough. If it's a breakthrough, uh, uh, it can break closed again. The, the actual seeing is uh, there's no boundary there. So sit down, hold still, and look at it until you see it. Other question? Yes, from John in North Carolina. Yes, John. He asks, is not having a goal an expression of omnipresence? So one may may function um, without having a goal, uh, you know, and that may be or may not be omnipresence. I, I don't know. I don't not not smart enough to know what that would entail. But I do know this: that if you if you're attached to goals, this is where they are fixated on. This is where the suffering comes from. You can have a goal. We need to get some coffee. We need to get the goal should come out out of. The, the dependent origination that is in your apartment, that is in your everyday life, the dependent origination is already doing this, uh, doing this situation. 
what needs to be done. You need to chop wood, you need to carry water, you need to get coffee, you need to clean the refrigerator, you need to give a Dharma talk, you need to have a title for it. So not a lot of planning is happening, particularly. But there's, there's little goals that are relative to what's happening, or relative to the overall situation, rather than something that steps outside of the situation and sets up some kind of standard. As it says in the sutras, don't set up standards. Picking and choosing is the disease of the mind. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have uh, have a, a Prius rather than a, a Ford. It doesn't mean you couldn't look at things and decide something. What's being said is when that becomes aggressive and we're trying to actually force something to fall in line with our uh, our hunger for something else, our hunger to be comforted, our hunger to be satiated, our hunger to not be afraid. Uh, Senshu from Battle Creek at the temple. She's there yes. with uh, 11 other people watching. Very good. And her question is, can you see what you are looking at and add on to it simultaneously? Yes. If you're, if you're seeing what you're looking at and you... Uh, and you can add on to it by saying, that isn't enough. Or you can add on to it by saying, I'm not sure if this is right or not. So we add on. Ego, self-centeredness, adds on the doubt. <laughs> if there isn't anyone, uh, who, who can doubt something? If something is occurring, as, as Byron Katie said, I think I quoted her last night, how do you know something should be happening? Because it's happening. <laughs> and of course, we can go into terrible people in public places who are dismantling our our structures here. But this has been going on for a long time. This is like not some new thing that's come that, oh my gosh, we should have voted three years ago. It's just misunderstanding about the nature of reality. Most people are living that way. I'm inviting you, if you need an invitation, to step outside of this relative situation we call samsara and into, inside, into the ultimate nature that is your original face, before your parents' birth, before anybody's birth, before there was birth. Step into ultimate. And have I been there? I haven't been anywhere. Do I, can I prove it? Nope. Or I should say, no, I can't. You don't need to prove what is already the case. If you, if you, if you don't see what you're doing, if you don't see it, if you just look at it, if you think, oh, I'm just looking at this beautiful, orange, wonderful thing. Now, if you see it, then you say the wonderful, orange, colorful, seductive thing is actually a bonfire. So you don't need to say, hmm, fire is hot. That looks like a fire. I don't think I'll put my hand in it. No, because of your seeing, because you've been training your mind, training your mind, training your mind, you see so clearly, you can't be fooled anymore by yourself, by your own self-deception. You can't be fooled. And your mind, not accusing you of anything, but people's minds keep haunting. We keep haunting ourselves. Don't do it. And how do you do that? You see that that's what you're doing, just like you see that it's a bonfire, and you say, well, of course, I'm not going to go in there. You wouldn't even say that. That would be, of course, I'm not going to go and in there. It would all be extra. Uh, the actual situation is uh, nothing would happen. This is what His Holiness the 17th 
or the 16th Karmapoff said in his deathbed in 1981. Nothing happens. It didn't mean that nothing happens. Things fall over. Things come back up. Call impermanence. But he's, he was pointing at, if I may be so bold as to interpret what His Holiness was saying, I don't think he would mind. Nothing happens. Only something can happen as if there's something else. There's just this. I'm not separate from you, you're not separate from me, and it's not all that damn romantic. It doesn't have to be. Romance, idealism is all extra. It's not that you can't have tender feelings and emotions, of course. Just come, they come and they go. They come and they show up and we feel them. We might even enjoy them. We feel them. We might even feel really uncomfortable. Occasionally I completely collapse in choking up and in tears. Not particularly comfortable. But I don't do much with it. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. It's not separate. I'm not separate. You're not separate. I know it. I don't believe it. I don't disbelieve it. I don't look away from it. And the knowing that I have is not knowledge, even though it's taught that way with the words prajna or jnana in Sanskrit. Those have been used long enough. Further question. Should I smile more? Um, can you say again uh, the distinction between looking and seeing? So looking is you're looking at your preconceptions. You're, you're looking at something, and you think you're seeing what you're looking at, but you're actually seeing your ideas about it. If you actually see what's in front of you, and this applies to all the senses, including the mind, you won't know what it is. When I say you won't know what it is, I'm not saying there won't be some kind of situation, but, there, but the grasping part of the knowing would be gone. The, the presumption, the, the artificial confidence based on right and wrong, all the, all the setups, all the standards are just shot. This is why it's so irritating when I hear people uh, setting up ethical standards for people to obey. Very disrespectful to people. I'm not saying it isn't disrespectful to in, cross over a boundary into someone else's life without their permission. That happens on levels that are not near as obvious, but are very, very... Uh, anytime you try to convince anybody of anything, you're crossing a boundary. Anytime you try to sell somebody on anything, you are reifying this crazy world. Don't do it. Train your mind. It's called a spiritual path. And maybe one day, a millennia from now, there won't be anything but the spiritual path. And of course, then it will be no path. And that's not a thing to shoot for. Junchu has another question. Two questions, actually. She asks, if we try to see, is that always looking? And how can we see without trying to see? It's just a matter of persistence. Because you can't, it's very difficult to persist at anything. But by doing, finding those areas where you, where you can, it looks like you're doing the same thing over and over again, you eventually begin to see that you can't do, to, you can't do the same thing twice. And that's about aware. The, that's when the awareness starts to to realize uh, uh, its uh, its uh, sovereignty. You realize you begin to realize who you are. There's no way who you are you, who you are could ever be threatened. More. Um, how can we see without trying to see? Repetition. Sit down and notice that you're trying to see, and then try to see. And then see that you can't really try to see, because trying to see is just more looking. But then more looking leads to more seeing of what you're looking at. And then when you see what you're looking at, 
you begin to see that what you're looking at is looking back at you. When that starts to happen, you're pretty much dead meat. In other words, your ego is starting to go down. And that can get frightening. And I would say when that gets frightening, do it anyway, please. This is, I'm trying to help you in this way. People may practice, they may not. But without someone to tell you, keep going. Uh, there's, there's a lot of little sidetracks that we can get into that can go, I think I'll go this way. Little sidetracks that we can get into that look like a better option. So this is a better option. This, I'm going to do this because this other thing is too difficult, too painful. Go wherever the pain, I'm not talking about masochism. I'm saying go where the, as it says in Atisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, work on the, on the greatest defilements first. Work on, if you have aggression, uh, then work on the aggression. Work with that. Try to see deeply. Try to see. And how do we do that? By looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. It's like staying at a stoplight forever. I don't care if it changes to green. Over, I'm going to stay and I'm going to look at that red stoplight. Obviously, or maybe not so obviously. We can't do that in the relative world because we would get arrested because we're not following the traffic rules. But you can do it in the zendo or in your bedroom facing a wall. You can sit down there and look at that red light over and over and over. It will not last. Nothing lasts. Even your crazy mind does not last. But it, it will be extended if you fight with it. It will be extended if you agree with it. It will be extended uh, if you ignore it. Just the extension of it. Just It's there, it arises, and then if we push on it, it it's kind of like it uh, uh, fights back. And if we, if we um, try to talk about it, then we then it feels like it's something. Um, in Junshu's question about trying to see, yes, um, the word endeavor comes up. Yes, and I know you've used it before. But let's say I, I sit or sit with a feeling, yes. and, and and there's there's a voice also that says you may have to live with this forever, mm -hmm. or you may not see this, you may not accomplish this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that feels also like a trick of the mind to like be with it without having a goal or trying to. So, oh, what's your question? In that, in that situation, what is the absolute endeavor? Mm. So there are, there are slogans for that. Uh, always remain a child of illusion. See everything as a dream, because it is. So that would be, if you're trying to find a relative way of proceeding, would be say, whatever's happening to you is unreal. It is empty of a self, it's empty of an other, it's empty of a goal, it's empty of a beginning, empty of an end, it's empty. And therefore it is, once the relative part is emptied out, then it is full of reality, which is not separate, which is, there's all kinds of fancy words from, for that in Sanskrit and Tibetan, not even necessary to use them, just it's uh, the translation of uh, Dzogchen is the great perfection. It's just like there's nothing that needs to be fixed. And it has to start with each consciousness. We can't necessarily go out and start some kind of movement in that area because then it, it gets trapped in the relativity of it, and the rights and the wrongs and ups and downs, the talent and the no talent. So what is the seeing that is not empty of what we... The, it, uh, to use relative terms, it's the seeing that does not see anything. If you see something, this is more relative truth. We see separate, we see the cabinet, we see the chair, we see... Uh, when you know, we see the we're seeing about various things and we add and subtract and divide and move and shift we get tied into that and, and we, which we, we should we could but we but as long as you don't grasp or hook on to anything or think this means that 
or that must mean this, then you can just dance with the things that are in apparent motion, and you can apparently dance. So is it not a seeing, it's more of a, a knowing that doesn't know? Yes, it's like that. This That's a teaching that shows up all over the place, the only don't know mind of sing song, or, or just a not knowing. Lots of teachers have talked about that, that not knowing because it's it's a way of of having uh, an apperception of something without a content. It's like it's like not having a content. So we think, okay, let's call it call it seeing something and not seeing it. Uh, then there's uh, what's traditionally called shunyata or suchness. Suchness is just this, and it can't be handed to someone. It can be pointed at or or talked about to some extent, but each person has to has to see it themselves, and, and it won't turn you into somebody else. It'll you'll just suddenly and fundamentally, or maybe gradually, be who you are. Whatever came into being here, you're just yourself. Is not knowing the emptiness of justice? Um, it's the beginning of it. The not knowing part is kind of a, has, still has a path quality to it, but. The, the fruition of that is even worse. <laughs> More to look forward to. Woohoo! <laughs> and of course, I might say even worse. I might say you just you don't have any reference points. You don't have any reference points for sleep, for awakening, for truth. For, it's just you you function out of uh, uh, in, the, in this in this situation, uh, one functions out of one's vow to be with all things, and so that's something that has a relative uh, context to it, but it's not something you're actually doing time to change. Was, what kind of bottle was that? A, oh, that's time. Uh, I knew it was either that or turtles all the way down. I vowed to cut you off. <laughs> I vowed to cut you off. Cut you off with the fingernails. So now what do we do? This is too complicated technically. We can bow out. Okay, we're going to bow out. We're bowing out. Thank you all for attending. And uh, what else do we usually hear? We usually dedicate, dedicate the merit. Okay, go ahead. Start. You want to hit the gong? Yes. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Ji Ho San Chi Ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita.